Hey folks, this is Pete Bissardo. Hey guys, this is Tower of Eight. Hey guys, this is Ruby Roo. This is Shady from Vape TV, and you're listening to Smoke Free Radio. Thank you, Russ. Hello, my fellow vapers. Welcome to another episode of Smoke Free Radio right here on the VP Live Network. I hope everybody's doing well today. We have a little change of plans. As I told you last week, we're going to have Phil and Zen on. However, Phil had pre-arranged plans, well, his wife did. And happy wife, happy life. He couldn't attend, so we rescheduled that show for July the 15th. Now, I had announced that I would not be doing any shows until I get back from Greece because that is the week that I will be preparing for my trip. But I made the exception, so July the 15th will be the last episode of Smoke Free Radio before my vacation. And Zen himself and Phil Busardo will be joining me to discuss the status of vaping. That doesn't mean we're not going to have a show today because I have a lot of stuff to talk about, including the newly released PDF by the... FDA today. That will be our main topic. Also, here live in the studio, I will be joined shortly by Noah Richardson from the Vape Politics website, uh, and also my co-host, the one and only, the Bitch M. Uh, 347-308-8329 is the telephone number. If you have any questions or comments during tonight's broadcast, feel free to chime in. Press 1 when you hear the British lady, and obviously, you can tweet me at VapingGreek hashtag SmokeFreeRadio. Just a quick, quick uh, reminder here. If you didn't listen to Russ's show last night, obviously, what, what a show, what a firecracker. Uh, whether you agree with Russ's delivery or not, uh, I think people that have been listening to Russ for a while, uh, I know he had some new listeners yesterday because the topic was so sensitive. Uh, he does get the point across. And uh, one thing that we have to keep in mind, uh, the Five Pound guys are my friends, uh, as are a lot of people in the industry, a lot of e-liquid manufacturers. Uh, that doesn't mean that we cannot raise our concerns when when stuff like this happens. So it's not a five pawns thing. It's an industry thing. Remember back when Dr. F did his study and tested 160 e-liquids? 70% of those e-liquids tested positive for diacetyl and AP and over 40%. Maybe the biggest fault of that study was that Dr. F didn't release the names of those e-liquids. Guess what? Maybe on the next study that Dr. F, he does release those names. Maybe that will take... That's what it's going to take for this industry to change. There is an issue here, folks. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. As adults, you can go out there, do your own research on diacetyl and AP, and make your own conclusions. However, companies, advocates, vapors, making scientific claims shouldn't be taken seriously. There is an issue here. The issue is not five pawns. The issue is the industry as a whole. We need to find the issue here, which is diacetyl and AP, and how to deal with it. We as an industry need to come together. We need to come up with a protocol. We need to come up with testing. Just imagine if this was a household product. Let's imagine it was a pharmaceutical company putting out their medicine that could have side effects or potentially kill somebody. Look at all the warnings on medicines now. There would be an uproar. What the hell is the matter with this community? We can't raise our concerns without fanboyism, without financial interest diving down your throat. What the hell happened? We're not regulated by anybody. That means us, us, the vapors, the community, we're the ones that will have to self-regulate. This is not a five pawns issue, guys. This is an industry-wide issue. Let me go ahead and bring my co-host in now. I hope she's ready. 
she she didn't seem to be very very uh, prepared uh, when she messaged me there earlier. Hello. Hey, what's up, Em? Not much. It is really really hot here. <laughs> is it? Yes. Is it because it's of me? Yeah, it's because of you. Why don't they have air conditioners in the UK? What the hell? What the hell is up with that? <laughs> I have no idea. But you can go into pretty much any shop here, even like the big stores, and they don't have AC. What? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. A, I think it's a developing country, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it? It feels like sometimes when you go places and there's no air conditioning. <laughs> so what's going on? How's your week been? It's it, It's been interesting. It's been very interesting with this whole Five Pawns thing coming to Well, I was discussing that earlier. And, you know, I mean, this is not uh, the Howard Stern moment here. But, you know, uh, we, we always want to touch on these subjects. And for crying out loud, I'm tired about talking to Dice and AP. And, uh, and uh, I'm over it. Uh, however, you listened to Russ's show last night. You've seen how the stuff has developed, and I just want to get your opinion on it. I well, well, if you've looked at my blog, I'm pretty upset about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not. I mean, I would have been fine if they had released their test results and they said, "Okay, look, we found you know trace amounts." Sure. But they've been telling people since at least 2013. Oh no, we have no diacetyl, no AP in our e-liquids. Right. So they've been lying to us, and that's not that's not cool. Well, yeah, it's not cool at all. Maybe they tested and they found, uh, you know, diacetyl and AP, but thought that it was not alarming because we don't have a protocol. Maybe. I mean, you know, you always want to give the benefit of the doubt. However, right. there are a lot of uh, stuff that has popped up in this story that doesn't make any sense. doesn't colorate. There's a lot of lies. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And it does, it does uh, you know, it does upset me. Um, as I said in last week's episode, I talked to a lot of those manufacturers on that VaporShark uh, release that have told me personally that they've tested and it's clean. And obviously the results came back. Um, not clean, and that that upsets me. That, I mean, I I don't consider myself anybody in this community, but I I think that I have enough friendship with a lot of these manufacturers that I would expect them not to lie to me. Yeah, you deserve a little bit of honesty. And um, all we're looking for here is transparency, not lies. I clearly yeah. believe. I said this last week. I think that even if it was stated, even if the liquid was called diacetyl, it would not stop sales of the product. People that want to vape it want to vape it. But there is a lot of people out there that, that do have concerns about the e-liquid. They want to know what's into it. There's a lot of people that switch to this product for tobacco harm reduction. That means yep. we're trying to reduce all the harm of the product that we're inhaling, right? Yep. So if people ask you a question, if people ask you for test results and you lie, that doesn't that – doesn't, I mean, that's fraud. <laughs> I don't know how – I mean, <laughs> it, it blows my mind that there's people defending this, I guess – I mean, I can get it from the fanboys inside, okay, and, and the vapors are, you know, the, there's some vapors out there that, that, that positively think that there's no issue with that, and that's fine if that's your option. But when you're giving medical advice to other vapors, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. If you want to continue to vape it, that's fine, but you cannot turn to another person and say, oh, you're fine, vape that. What do you think? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm really upset with the fact that they that they released what they did in their blog, their little their press release. And like Russ said in his show, they contradict themselves in like the second and third paragraphs. Yeah. They, you know, go on about, oh, there's no regu- you know, there's no regulation, there's no testing right. protocol, this, that, and the other thing. So what are they going to do? Wait until there is? So it's okay to have all these e-liquids loaded with all this crap that's worse than what we get out of a cigarette smoke? I don't think it would have been a problem if they released it and they said it had it in there. I wouldn't think it would be a problem if they released it and said, hey, we did some testing and we found this and we were formulating. I think every other avenue except the avenue that they took would have been acceptable. 
Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. Except the avenue that they took about. Again, this is not a five pawns issue. A lot of companies have done that. And we always talk about the companies. You know, unfortunately, it takes people like Russ to call out companies because that's not what I do. And a lot of people don't do that. Uh, Maybe we should. Maybe we should do a lot of more of that. Uh, Lately, we've been calling out these companies. Well, a lot of it has been going on on Facebook um, where a lot of advocates are calling out these companies for their child-friendly labels. And people say we shouldn't do that. Why? We should. <laughs> Why should Nobody we else do is that? regulating us. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But the, the, the point here is that if, if it, takes only, it takes people like Russ to raise awareness by calling out people, I mean, this would be never-ending. And people say you always talk about the people that are bad. You know, I'll be the first one to tell you that there's companies out there, personally, that I have seen test results that do it right. And I have no financial vested interest in them. Niquid. Baker White, the Vapor Bar, uh, Boilermaker, um, Nick Vape. I can tell you companies, I can give you a whole list of companies that I have no relationship with that test their e-liquids and have made it their goal to be zero. To have all their liquids tested with the threshold of zero, not to contain diacetyl and AP. So instead of maybe talking about those companies that are bad, how about we start talking about the companies that are good? Want to do that? You want to do that every week? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, every week we should talk about um, every week we should talk about the good companies from now on, and then screw the rest. If they don't want to change, that's fine. But don't fucking lie to me. I hate that. Yeah. You know, it, it just it just bugs the hell out of me. So, it, and you know, this is this is one of the things that mostly bugs about me. And and uh, you know, I've I've had a few people approach me about this. We know that diacetyl and AP is harmful. Okay, there is no doubt about it. There's nothing that you can tell me that can convince me otherwise. If we know that this could potentially be harmful, you need to inform your consumers, period. It's not a five-pounds thing. This is an industry. I'm talking to the entire industry. You you need to let the people that are inhaling your stuff know that potentially they could have something happen to them. Or if they don't want to take it that far, let them know that it has diacetyl and and let them make their own conclusions. You agree? Yeah, we're adults. We should be able to decide. I mean, I don't have a problem vaping a liquid that's got low amounts of AP and diacetyl in it, I don't have a problem with it at all. But I'd like to know that the liquid that I'm choosing has the least amount available compared to, you know, 2,500 whatever parts per million. Or even if it's loaded. If you make, you know, Meg, listen, if you want to go and, uh, um, you know, have unprotected sex as an adult, you can do it, right? You make that choice. (laughs) If you want to go and jump off a bridge as an adult, I mean, you know, you can do that. If you want to vape liquid with diacetyl, that's fine. But how about the people that don't want to vape it and a company lies to them and they vape it? Yeah, it's not the same. People don't get that correlation with it. People think they're attacking companies. You're not attacking companies. You're attacking the method of how the product is sold. And that is a huge problem that needs to be taken care of. And trust me, if you don't want to take care of it yourself, trust me, the government's coming, and that's what we're going to be talking about here in a little bit. Uh, let me go ahead and introduce my guest. He's sitting here patiently next to me right into the studio. Uh, from Vape Politics, I have with me from Atlanta, Mr. Noah Richardson. What's up, Noah? How's it going? Uh, get up there close to the mic and uh, <laughs> introduce first of all yourself. Um, what is Vape Politics? How did you come up with the concept of Vape Politics? Well, uh, I was sitting and uh, I saw you at VapeCon. We were there. Uh, discussing some stuff, and I had just come up with this idea about a week beforehand with uh, uh, one of my producers who's working on the podcast with me, uh, George Hain, and we decided that we needed a hub. Now, there are plenty of hubs out there, but what we wanted was something where on a nationwide level, 
we could collect information and put it out there for mm-hmm. people. Now, lots of people do that, but this specifically, what we wanted to do was have a hub where anyone, yeah. uh, for, for example, GSFA, the Georgia Smoke Free Association, mm-hmm. can come on Debate Politics, grab something, and pull it to their page. We just yeah. wanted it to be a hub for information. Yeah. Um, how do you plan to get the information out? I've seen that you have a Facebook page. I know you've got a Twitter. You've got a website. What else do you plan on doing? Well, right now we're, we're working with what we have, which is uh, Facebook at facebook.vapepolitics.com. We've got our website. We've got our Twitter. And uh, they, they all kind of flow together. So when we post something to our website, it goes to our Twitter and to our Facebook. And then, of course, we have the podcast on Fridays, which we collect the information and uh, some other stuff. And we put it all together for the podcast, and then we put it out. Um, we were thinking about doing some SoundCloud stuff, but decided not to. We've, we've, we're working with a couple of different avenues. We're not sure exactly what we want to do to expand, but right now we're happy with what we're doing. Uh, are you going to keep it strictly politics, or are you going to keep it uh, uh, hot topics of the vaping community and the industry as a whole? Uh, I know that you did. I, I've been watching all your posts since you launched this thing, and you know I've been a supporter. I support everything that, that has to do with advocacy, and I certainly support uh, the vape politics movement. But I, are you going to keep it mostly politics? I saw that you did that one segment with the vape bands that I wanted to t- just touch about, touch on yeah. for a little bit. But, you know, I mean, when I see vape politics, I'm thinking about the political side, which we need right now. We have a, we have a huge problem with states uh, and, uh, and, and getting information to, to the various states of what's happening legislative-wise in their uh, states. So are you going to keep it more politics or just going to keep it like overall general of the flaming topics of, of uh, <laughs> no pun intended, of the <laughs> industry? It's kind of hard to decide, especially with something so new that's moving so quickly. We never expected to be a thousand likes in within 30 days. That that was not the goal. The goal was to kind of grow slowly, and it's it's becoming bigger and bigger, and we're trying to keep up. So that line is hard to draw right now, but for right now, we want to keep everything advocacy centralized. But if something comes up that's worth talking about, then, then yeah, we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I think you should keep it politics, to be honest with you. There's enough drama going on. Completely agree. <laughs> we, we, we got Russ. <laughs> we got Russ. Uh, the vape bans was really interesting. I was kind of shocked that you put that out there. Uh, I, I mean, I just didn't think it matched in with the vape politics thing. Um, it, it, especially in, in a world where clones in this industry is now you know pretty much the norm and everything. Right. It, it, it wasn't so much about the clone. It was about, in, in my opinion, and this is just me speaking, um, not necessarily vape politics, but just me. It was it was a standards issue because we had a company, Hannah, who has been very vocal about their opposition to cloning manufacturers, um, especially with their mods. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it is just a silicone ban, and that's completely fair. That's a fair argument, but it's the principle. Well, there is no principle when it comes to vaping. Obviously, I mean, there's tons of diacetyl juice out there. Oh, absolutely, because uh, <laughs> vaping makes a scientist, right, Demi? <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's get to some uh, some topics here, Noah and Meg. Uh, well, for obviously, the flaming topic uh, this week is the FDA announcement. They 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 proposed a rulemaking here, uh, which is Meg. I hate to be that guy. <laughs> be that guy, D. But I told you so, right? All the yes, people that know did. me that have had interaction with me over the last six to eight months, I've said this to pretty much everybody that's involved in the industry, and I've mentioned it here on the podcast very, many times. I had a fear that the FDA is going to do something drastic to the labeling, bottling, and overall safety of e-liquid and bottles, right? And guess what? The FDA did just that. They put the announcement out today. 
Uh, I'm just going to read here off the website briefly. The FDA has evaluated data and science, including all the evidence submitted to the docket of the proposed deeming rule. Related to the risks, especially to infants and children, from accidental exposure to nicotine, including exposure to liquid nicotine and nicotine-containing e-liquids, which are primarily used with electronic nicotine delivery systems. It is uh, the recent increase in calls and visits to both uh, poisoning control centers and emergency rooms in the United States involving liquid nicotine poisonings and exposures has increased the public health concerns of these exposure risks as a result of FDA's evaluation. And these recent trends, FDA is considering whether based on the acute toxicity of nicotine up to and including nicotine poisoning, it would be appropriate for the protection of the public health to warn the public about the dangers of nicotine exposure, especially due to inadvertent nicotine exposure in infants and children and or require that some tobacco products be sold in child-resistant packaging. Uh, a request for comments and information, the FDA is seeking comments, data, research results, and other information related to the following questions. Uh, and then it lists, lists a, a whole uh, you know, a page. Uh, actually, the PDF is 15 page. I'll put the link inside the... Um, Oh, there you go. You got it already, Em. Uh, the, the link inside, it put, puts everything in perspective. So, you know, this is, this is what my fear was months ago when I started doing a lot more research on a federal level and getting involved with the FDA and what they're trying to do. I saw the writing on the wall, Em, and all these meetings that I went, seeing people from the FDA and the CTP citing exactly this huge issue, and that is the youth access and the youth orientation and even the poisonings, which I think is a big smokescreen. Again, no pun intended. I don't think that the youth issue is the problem here of them opening up and drinking the bottle, and I'll explain that in more detail. But does it make sense now, Meg, what I was trying to say all this time? Yeah, it does. This is a way... Sorry, I'm just reading through some no, of it, too, no, because I'm fine. still catching up. That's fine. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad to see you that you come prepared for your, for your smoke-free appearance today. I know, I'm so today. sorry. But... You know, Noah, when did I tell you about this? When's the first time that I told you about this? I think we discussed it four months ago. Four months ago, uh, we had this discussion, and I said, I'm afraid that they're going to do something drastic, something that's going to thin down this industry, and I think this is it. Um, I don't know how many of you have read that. Everybody's talking about, everybody's talking about the, label, the, excuse me, the child packaging and the child resistance caps. But you haven't read the whole thing, and you should really read this, because this is going to really wake you up, all right? The questions. I am going to uh, just touch on two questions here that I think are the most important ones. By the way, they're, uh, they're given only 60 days for people to, to reply, right? Uh, there is a lot of questions on here, but this is an opportunity for you to learn what the concerns, uh, the concerns that the FDA have and the potential actions they are contemplating it's just an opportunity for you to comment by submitting your responses to the docket, okay? Uh, 60 days is not a lot of time. Again, this is, I think, is planned by the FDA so they can get through this quickly and impose a rule that's going to thin out 90% of the industry. I truly believe it. I completely agree with you. Do you think that the responses, within, you know, the, the amount of responses that they get are going to make any difference to it at the end? Uh, yes, okay. I do. I do believe that we get, that we have an opportunity to make a change here, and this is uh, this this really ties into the vape free youth movement. This is exactly what we were trying to prevent. We were trying to open up that door with the FDA, all the group of manufacturers that got together to go to the FDA and say, "Listen, we're listening to your concerns. We want to address your concerns," and that was the goal of the first stated 
principles that were put on the Vape Free Youth website. Do you see it now, Meg? Do you see yeah. what we were trying to do with the Vape Free Youth? Do you see every fucking advocate that was criticizing the Vape Free Youth movement? Yes, Do you do. see what the issue here is? They're not going to wait for the deeming regulations. They're going to drop a rule that's going to eliminate 90% of the industry. A lot of that industry that donates money to these fucking advocacy groups. Damn, I'm getting all fired up again. My blood pressure. You got your pills ready? I've taken three already. <laughs> Question one. Should FDA require child-resistant packaging for liquid nicotine? If so, why? So do you think that child-resistance packaging makes a difference to potential risk for kids to access bottled e-liquid meg what's like, your answer i'd like to you say agree? yes but i i know that it doesn't noah the issue there with the child the child caps is that mm-hmm. yes on on the standpoint that that's what they're supposed to do mm-hmm. are they necessarily going to are they necessarily going to uh that that answer is kind of up to them no but the common sense is that you do have a nicotine product it should have a some form of a child resistance cap. Oh, absolutely. You know, I yeah. mean, that's, that's just, it's very hard to defend that. You can, you know, I see posts on my Facebook, oh, well, the bleach bottles don't have child-proof caps. Well, guess what? The Center for Tobacco Products does not regulate bleach. And stop no. using that as an excuse. Why are we always trying to manipulate the system? Why are we always trying to find the shady-ass way to get out of this? They're always using apples and oranges arguments for almost everything that comes up. What, what is what is the matter with that? I, I, I don't get it. I, I really don't get what, why people are trying to make that coloration. And, and trust me, if you say that to the FDA, hey, bleach does not have that, the FDA gets more mad because they don't regulate that product. And see, and if you talk to anybody here in the UK, child resistance caps has been the norm here for at least the last three years. So we don't really have that much, that kind of problem over here because when like uh, trading standards or whatever looks at e-liquid bottles here, 99% of them have a child-proof cap right, on them. right. And, and that's Whereas something that I was implemented the there what, since the beginning, I think. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think it was since the beginning, since the first, uh, you know, ACETA, whatever, the, the BSI, whatever that was, came up with some standards. I think that the, that the child resistance packaging was fine. But anyway, I'm not going to put too much weight on that. Again, part of the principles of the Vape for Youth website clearly states that we do believe that should have child resistance packaging on these products. Okay? That is the common sense, and I think that's something that all the industry can you know, join together and show to the FDA, yes, we agree, and we can do this. It's not an issue. It's not hard to get childproof caps for your bottles. No. Okay? So here we go on to number eight in that PDF, and I want you to pull it up because this is the key. This is the key point that I want to make to everybody that listens to me, everybody that pays attention to me. I want you to please, please listen carefully to what number eight says. Because this is going to really open up your eyes to what I've been saying all this time and why I wanted vape-free youth to become successful and get a lot of people around this industry. Number eight, are there other factors FDA should consider to further prevent or discourage people, especially infants and children, from inadvertently consuming or being exposed to liquid nicotine? If so, please explain. And here comes the kicker, Meg. You ready? (laughs) Examples of other factors may include... Attractiveness of the product of packaging, for example, appealing images, fragrance, and flavors. Resemblance of packaging to food and drink items, for example, candy and fruit. The color of the product, resemblance to beverages such as juice. 
Resemblance of packagings of that of medications, for example, eye drops. Did anybody read this? Oh my god. Did anybody read number eight? Because everybody's putting their attention on the childproof caps in the packaging without paying attention to what the FDA is trying to do here. They have put out their large penis and they're getting ready to shove it right up the industry's ass. Wake up. This is what this document is going to do. Did you read number eight? The question here, attractiveness to infants and children. This is an additional slant on the issue that if certain images are attractive to underage users, do they look like something young kids might think is for them? Me personally, okay? Me personally, Meg. I'm not surprised that these kind of questions are being asked. I mean, examples of cartoon labels with images, names of kinds of candy are easy to find. Are, do you disagree with that? No. it's not. They are easy to find. They're everywhere. But here's what bugs me now. Because of these cartoon characters and all these bad labelings, it raises a big question. Does it draw attention to the additional questions that are getting asked? So what about fruit flavors and colors? It's my opinion that we, re- we, we, we risk an overreaction of the FDA by including them in there. So here's our chance in this comment period, right, to submit comments as an industry saying, you know, the cartoons, whatever, but colors, it has to be appealing to the adults too. We don't want to give them a misconception that this product is harmful, just as traditional combustible tobacco. It, we have to draw that line in this next 60 days. If we don't do this as an industry, the FDA is going to draw that thick line that Mitch Zeller said. And trust me, 90% of the products, if not more, will be removed from the market. Thoughts? No, I see you're ready to talk. It, it's just interesting to me that it, it, it's, it's not only you that's been saying this for so long, it's, it's everybody. There have been plenty of people saying the same thing, and no one seems to be listening. It wasn't until Vape Free Youth went live that people really started getting up in arms. Uh, just think about it a month and a half ago. No one was talking about, oh, this label is, is misconstrued or this, la- this label is, is bad for the industry. No one was, was talking about it until, well, well of course you were, but no, no <laughs> I mean the, the large majority of people weren't talking about it until we no. made it an issue. Meg, you wanted to join? Yeah, in? I've been talking about it for well, at least since I was on POTV. Um, since I started my own website, it's something that I've always bitched about. It, I have an asshats page that's dedicated to companies that use like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and little tiny bunnies and whatever. Stop! I don't. I have a really big issue with because I'm a mom and I know from having a six-year-old that doesn't know me as a smoker, only knows me as a vapor, when I would get a new e-liquid or even a new piece of kit, if it came in a brightly wrapped package, he was interested in it. But it was my responsibility to tell him, no, this isn't for you. This is something for mommy. Little boys don't play with this. And he would leave it alone. But there's other parents out there that aren't as responsible as I am. And I do have a slight issue. I don't I think there's a very thin line between what is attractive to children and what is attractive to adults. And I, if looking back when Space Jam had their cartoony label and they made the choice to switch it to a more elegant, professional-looking label instead of this big, cartoony, bubbly thing in your face, yeah. I thought that was a good move. And I think that's something that a lot of companies need to look at. They need to really consider whether or not their branding looks like something you would find in a coloring book. Right. I, I, I agree with you, and, uh, and there's, there's obviously people just like the diacetyl issue that disagree. 
347-308-8329. Press 1 if you have any questions or comments on this topic. But I will tell you that today the American Lung Association put out a picture. It is on Facebook. I'll put it in the chat here uh, with uh, Cocoa Puffs, Captain Peanut Butter, uh, Crunch, Tricks, and it has a cereal in the back. And this is, I'm just reading straight off the American Lung Association. These may sound like kids' cereals, but they are actual names of e-cigarette flavors being marketed at youth. House Committee on Appropriations includes a provision that would weaken U.S. Food and Drug Administration's authority to protect kids from tobacco products. Again, it is the appearance. It is the perception. It is these groups that are fighting us. And the bad thing is that no, the industry is doing nothing to help themselves on this particular issue. In fact, we're seeing more and more companies push the envelope trying to compete in a space that obviously is trying to target the vapor and i guess we're going to talk about that the 15th of july when we have that episode but instead of the industry doing the right thing and trying to turn this image around and this perception around we're seeing more and more uh, blatant just really pushing the edge on the on the appearance of these products i think we've forgotten what what the goal was in the beginning with the industry which was to get people off of cigarettes am i wrong yeah, oh, it would definitely, definitely. Yeah, you're definitely, totally on, you're definitely on spot there. It, it seems like over the past year, as as the sub ohms and the cloud chasers got bigger and bigger, and there's nothing wrong with that, but as they got bigger and bigger, that focus started going down. That yeah. focus started going down, and that's when I started seeing all the cartoon labels and all of the serial names, and 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 yes, they do look child appealing. Yeah, it, it, it's it's ridiculous. I'm really concerned with this release by the FDA, uh, Meg. I'm really concerned because everybody, including Greg, Gregory Conley, which, you know, I love Gregory. He, uh, he put out a PR through the AVA addressing this issue. Uh, I will uh, just read a little bit of expert from, from, this, from, the, from the PR release that Greg did. The FDA has jumped the gun by moving on this issue before the deeming regulation has been finalized, said Gregory Conley. Reflecting on the fact that the FDA had previously pledged to have the deeming regulations finalized in June 2015, only to issue this statement on July 1st, Conley noted, the timing indicates that this is more of a public relations strategy than it is the actions of a neutral regulator just collecting information. I totally agree, and I totally predicted it as well, didn't I? <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I know it sounds bad, but it's, it's, it's totally, it is totally um, uh, uh, expected because the industry is so large. What do you think they're going to grasp on? They're going to grasp on trying to thin out the industry. This is the perfect time for the FDA to drop a rule that's not part of the deeming regulations, eliminate 95% of the industry, and then try to regulate the 5% that's left. And guess what? The 5% is probably just going to be big tobacco and maybe a few companies, if that. Yeah, that's what it seems like they're trying to do, honestly. Because it's easier, it's easier to regulate 5% than it is because, like you said, we are huge. It is absolutely massive. Yeah. It's huge here in the UK, but I can, I can only imagine what it's like in the States. Yeah. And at that point, after they take out that 95%, regulations are a breeze for them. Yeah. Because no, one's, be no so- one's left to fight. Yeah. No. And well, what's, left, what's left to protect is, is going to be tobacco manufactured cigalikes and closed vapor products that are all crap anyways. Well, you know, what I see here, even on Greg's PR, is that he's talking about the child resistance packaging. You know, I think nobody saw – he's talking about the labels a little bit, but I think he, he's trying to lean towards that the labels will mislead adult smokers on the relative risks of vaping versus tobacco smoking, which I get it. He doesn't want to make the labels where it shows that this product is so dangerous that the smoker might mislead it and, see, and say that, oh, vaping is just as bad as smoking, which I totally agree. 
Yeah. But I think once again, even here with Gregory, I think he missed number eight in these in this announcement from the FDA. Number eight is the most important announcement that the FDA has done here. That that clause where it says attractiveness of the product or packaging is so vague, right? It is so vague by the FDA that it can blanket a lot of the products that are that is out there. I think that the child resistant packaging and all that, I think that's irrelative. To, to the FDA, we already have 14, 15 states that enact these child-proof laws that haven't passed already. And I'm sure there's more coming next year in the next legislative session. How difficult it is for the FDA to say, okay, well, you need to have child-resistance packaging and you need to have a child-proof cap on your bottle. That's very, very easy. Why announce this and why put 15 pages of a PDF out there if you don't have something that you're planning to do and exactly what I predicted is happening this is the way that they're going to come after these labels that have the perception that they're marketing to youth. So I want to touch a little bit on the vape-free youth thing because this has been pissing me off lately as well too. Some of the manufacturers, as you may, may be aware, almost 300 now signatories on the vape-free youth website, by the way, Meg. Yep. Some manufacturers <coughs> have already made the commitments to mitigate those youth risks. I'm posing this question out to you, the industry. Have you made that commitment yet? It can only help. Right now, with what we see from the FDA, it can only help. But we all have to align around the commitments like the ones that are posted on the website to get it done. Because if we don't, the FDA is going to make it happen through regulation, and it might be more than what we really need. Clearly, but what they've put in that number eight, they're going after way more than just cartoon characters on bottles. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. So gonna, I, anything yeah. that's got a pretty color on it Absolutely. is going to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Spot on. So I encourage you to take care of the things that really need to be done sooner rather than later. Child resistance bottles obviously is something that needs to be addressed. Cartoon labels uh, definitely need to be addressed. And just take the opportunity to push back on the things that are necessary. You know, we know that this product is not intended by any manufacturer to be sold to youth. Clearly, though, clearly, those that are trying to regulate us do not believe that. <laughs> I think that's clearly been made by every person from the CTP or the FDA that has spoken over the last six months. So I highly encourage people to visit Vape for Youth and commit to those principles. It's a starting point. It's an open door with the FDA, something that we can sit down and talk about the issues and talk about what makes them happy and what makes us, the industry, happy. What do we need to keep? What is that thick line? What is that thick line that's going to keep these products on the market for the millions of smokers that might possibly die from tobacco-related illnesses? So with the Vape for Youth website, I hope to see a lot of people signing up, a lot of industry, a lot of manufacturers, a lot of associations. And then hopefully we can get to a point where, okay, now we have five signatories on here. We represent 50%, 60% of the distribution of e-liquid. Let's all come together in a room. Let's create a summit somewhere. Let's come together. Let's invite all the advocacy groups. Let's invite SFADA, CASA, Militia, everybody to the table, AIMSA, consumers if they want. Let's bring them all to the table. Let's sit down and discuss these issues as adults responsibly. Let's take what the FDA has given us. And trust me, all you have to do is read number eight to decrypt what the FDA is doing right here. Let's take what the FDA has given us and let's try to come up with a solution because all we're doing is, all we're saying, Noah, is we're saying, don't regulate us. Don't. Everybody just back off. 
we have the right to put these cartoon labels. We've got the right to do everything as an industry. That's all we're saying. We're not taking anything to the table with them, Noah. All right. That's a big problem. And the, the thing about the principles that are up on Vape Free Youth is they were all agreed upon. Those aren't things that the people who created them disagreed on. Those eight principles or the ten principles that are up there were yep. all agreed upon. Those are the things that we agree on. So everyone that's already signed up, I, I challenge someone to go to vapefreeyouth.com and, and find Vape Free Youth and find someone on that list that they like because that person has read Vape Free Youth and they, they agree. Yeah. A- anyone can go on Vape Free Youth and find someone that they know. And yep, the vape, vape Free Youth is not the solution. It's not the end of all. It's a starting point. There's companies the on there that have signed that clearly don't abide by these principles, but they have made the commitment in a timely manner to change. Do you and know, it means they're willing to. And, and, and if they're and, willing yes. to, they need to take the opportunity to get together and start doing it. Yes, absolutely. They need to they, in a timely manner. As we, I mean, we have 60 days here to show this. But can and I'd imagine? like to point out, too, with the Vape Free Youth, they, they do allow advocates to sign up. I signed up for it. I didn't think they were going to add my name to it, but they did. They so if you've got a website and you agree with these, sign up for it. Get your name put on there and show that you kind of support this stuff. Yes, people should go there and encourage. And also as vapors, you should encourage your, your vendors, your distributors, your e-liquid manufacturers to join <laughs> it. There is not anybody responsible for Vape Free Youth. There's not one person behind it. There's not a group behind it. It is a team effort from some manufacturers that saw the writing on the wall and wanted to do something about it. Yes, I've been talking about it for a while, but trust me, I'm not the only one. There's other companies out there realizing that this is an extreme issue. And point proven with this document that was dropped by the FDA today, this is exactly what's happening. It's not the end all, but it's a start. And tell me what other group, Meg, since we are on the subject of advocacy, or you, Noah, you can join in. What has any other group done to address this issue? Nothing. That, that's not the nothing that I've seen. Because I'm I mean, tired correct. of being accused by advocacy groups that hey, you know, I don't agree with the way that the vape free youth movement was done. Okay, all right, that's fine. What have you done? Propose a solution. Tell me what you've done, and I'll join that fight. I will help you. But don't tell me you disagree. Don't tell me you disagree, but you don't have a fucking solution. They can nitpick all day, but the problem, the issue there is. They're nitpicking someone that's doing something while everyone else is doing nothing. Yeah. There's something. I think, I think it's part of that whole mentality that if I sit on my hands, somebody else is going to come along and do it for me. So I can just say I don't agree with it, but that's okay because Dimitri will take care of it. Yeah. Oh, oh, thanks, oh, thanks, Meg. Put some more <laughs> pressure on my, on my, on my uh, old fat back. Thanks, Meg. I appreciate that. But the truth is that there's some people – that maybe stand to lose financially by supporting Vape Free Youth, maybe because they have a financial vested interest in some of these companies that do have these products on the market. I get it. If that's your business plan, that is your business proposal, that's fine. But shut up. Shut up. Don't criticize a movement that is trying to do something better. And I see that uh, Kurt just posted something uh, from, from Cloud Chasers, which, by the way, I, you know, Kurt, me and Kurt have been talking a lot lately, and I, I have to hand it to the guy. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's doing his best in, in a niche, uh, the cloud chasing niche, which is very, very difficult. Um, but he's, he's, he's talking about PR. There is no association attached to Vape Free Youth. There is no PR. There is no budget. 
If you're a multi-million dollar company out there selling e-liquid, you should know about Vape for Youth. Hell, you should have people that you work that work for you that specialize in regulatory and government affairs to be able to tell you what the FDA is doing. And if you're a smaller company, just look at what the other companies are doing. I know not everybody can afford those people, but for crying out loud, I think that the multi-million dollar companies out there that are throwing away $20,000 worth of juice that Vape Meets know I would afford to have somebody to tell them, hey, guess what? The FDA has an issue with these labels. If you can afford to be bouncing around all of these vape meets, you can afford to know what's going on in the industry that you're yeah. involved with. Yeah. <laughs> I get so sick and tired of that. That's a big excuse that I hear a lot over here is, oh, we simply can't afford it. But yet you're coming up with new labeling. You're introducing new products. You're opening up a new bricks and mortar shop. Put, put, delay opening up your bricks and mortar shop and put some money into this, into advocacy, into you know a lobbyist, something, into some kind of organization. Even if they're not putting money into an organization – it's. It doesn't cost money to learn. If no, it doesn't. Knowledge is free. You can just message me. Uh, by the way, they were too busy spending money on testing for diacetyl and AP. That's <laughs> why they weren't investing in, in government affairs. That was a joke, by the way. <laughs> just in case, just in case, it, just in case it didn't come out clear. But the truth is, okay, I support everybody that supports advocacy. Do I support them a hundred percent? Absolutely, fucking no. But I do support. I would never publicly go out there and bash anybody that's doing advocacy work at whatever level it is, whether it's one person, whether it's a blogger like UM, whether it's an association, everybody that's passionate and is doing something about this product, doing something about the industry and the community, I support them. But don't criticize somebody or a group of people that are trying to do the right thing when you don't have a solution. If you have a solution, bring it to the table. Join forces. Come with us. Come with all these manufacturers at Vape for Youth and give us your solution. Let's work together. Let's work together to address number eight on the FDA docket. Number eight is extremely important for everybody here. And unfortunately, even the groups that are out there, the advocacy groups, missed it. They didn't notice it today. I didn't see any advocacy group addressing number eight, which is exactly what the goal of Vape for Youth is, to address number eight which we saw coming. Do you agree or you disagree, Em? I agree with you. Thank you. I do. Because if you disagree, I I'm going to fire you. I'm going to send you over to Vapor Trails TV. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they'd have me. Live together, die alone. If we spend all our time bickering about someone who's attempting to create a solution instead of being part of the solution, we've already lost. But it happens all the time in advocacy, Noah. I mean, I know you're, you're fresh into this. And, right, and, I'm brand new. And, and you're definitely going to see a lot of stuff in, in your journey. Uh, and, and I know you have aspir- political aspirations as well, too, which is great. I love to see that. But in order to understand politics, you have to look deeper. You have to look at what there lies always an interest behind everything. Right. Okay? That doesn't mean that we can't work together. As long as we have that 75% goal of... <laughs> keeping this industry alive and keeping this product, if somebody stands to gain millions from it, more power to them. I don't have nothing against that. If somebody wants to to gain notoriety and fame or even just be loved in the community, I don't have no problem with that as long as you're trying to do something about it. But you have to be able to offer solutions, right? And maybe the vape-free youth is not the only solution, but it's a start because guess what? Nobody else did anything to address this problem. Mm. Nobody, no group out there, no group. And if you disagree or if somebody has something that I haven't seen, please call and, 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 and let me know. Uh, but let's shift it a little bit to the vapors, 
Megan. We talked about the industry. We 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 uh, we raged uh, enough. Let's talk about the vapors. Um, let me start with you, Noah. How how important do you think that the vapors are in, in this volatile situation that we have now with regulations coming up? How important do you think they are to shift the industry as well, too? I mean, you know, we always see the hand checks. We see the twenty second uh, cloud blowing videos on internet. Uh, I post a picture of, of uh, the new disruptor. I get 150 shares and likes or whatever, and then I post something uh, today. This FOD announcement for California, which, by the way, SB 140 in California, is death of the industry in California. If you have not read that, please read that, and please take action in California. I know that SFADA North and South are working on it as well, but it takes more. It takes more. This is a bad bill, and, and I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's going to pass. So how important do you think that the vapors are to shift that mentality of the industry i think we have a perception problem and i've said this plenty of times on vape politics but i think we have a perception problem and that is that the vapors as a whole think that the companies and that the groups are going to handle this for them and i'm not saying that for all vapors but for a majority they think that this is already handled they need to take it into their own hands regulation is coming we have to fight together all of us, not just the e-liquid manufacturers, not just the companies, not just the advocacy groups. Every single one of us has to stand together. Meg? Yep, I agree with Noah completely. I absolutely do. And I would have probably said the exact same thing. I think vapors are pivotal in every decision, whether it be regulation, whether it be labels, testing. If vapors get involved and say, look, we're not going to stand for this, and they come together, they can make a difference. We've proven that over the last three and a half years that I've been vaping. All it takes is a small group to stand together and get their voices as loud as possible, and you can make a a change. But if we're all, eh, whatever, somebody else is going to do it, we're going to be stuck in the same situation. It's going to be a merry-go-round for years. Go ahead, Noah. Meg, how many how many hand checks do you think hit Facebook throughout all of the community? Oh my God! Just imagine, imagine <laughs> what would happen if we replaced every hand check in one day, one day, just one day, every hand check with something related to what's going on regulation wise. Can you imagine the impact that the vapors themselves would have without any group or any e-liquid manufacturer or any company doing it? Just the vapors in one day could push an entire agenda forward. Yeah, but the problem is. is I don't, I don't know how it is in the States. I know over here in the UK, a lot of it is, eh, nobody listens to me. If I do it, what, it doesn't matter. You know, you can't, for me over here, trying to get somebody motivated to get involved in the political side of it is really, really difficult. They're just not interested. Chris Hughes said something to me one time uh, when he came on, on the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, he said, I was waiting for somebody to do something until I realize that I'm somebody. Yes. That, that's, that's the thing that we have to push to the vapors. We need to get the vapors involved. I saw, a que- I saw a quote inside the chat. I don't remember who put it. But a lot of vapors think we're too big to be regulated. What? <laughs> you, yeah. think, you think we're big? Yeah, that's still, that's still a line that's going on over here. You, is, oh, they can't get rid of it. They can, you you, you know, think we're big? Come on. <laughs> we're nothing we're compared no, com- to something like Big Tobacco. You put Big Tobacco and Big Pharmaceutical together, we're our hair off their balls. <laughs> we're the hair follicle does off that, their balls. Does that clarify where we're at right now? Do you understand? We're definitely yeah. not big. That's why it's important. That's why I, I fight and I volunteer my time to help associations form in states because a state association gets the vapors involved, Meg. 
Yep. Where a trade association does not. It's solely for the vendors themselves. And there's states, like in Massachusetts that I went last, last week and met with the vendors there, there's only 70 or 80 shops in that state. It's a small state. They definitely don't have the manpower to do something by themselves. They need to bring the vapors in. And how many times, Meg, or you, Noah, how many times has a vapor told you, man, you know, I want to do something to help. I, I want to get involved. I, I, I'm a member of CASA. I follow the calls to action. I share on Facebook. But what, what else can I do? Where a state association is the perfect place for them to attach as volunteers and help in their state spread the word about tobacco harm reduction. Right. I, I think it was great last week you had Jonathan Beardsley on, and Jonathan's a great guy. Mm-hmm. He, and, and you really drove home the point that you really drove home the point that he is a volunteer. He's right. not paid by this organization. He is a volunteer, and he volunteers his time to help promote tobacco harm reduction. And that's something that everyone can do, even if it's an hour a week versus being full-time volunteer work. Everybody can get involved. Yep. I'm not saying that this is, again, the solution, but the model of the TSFA has worked in Tennessee. It's been copied in Georgia, gladly copied in Georgia and Florida, and over there with Aaron at Utah. Right? And now, just in the last two months, Meg, PA, Virginia, Massachusetts, Alabama, all four states have contacted me to form their own smoke-free association. Why is that? Why, why do you think that is? Because what's out there existing does not fit their model. What's out there right now does not get the vapors involved. And what's out there now does not represent the interests of the people in the state. The vendors of the state that pay for that association are the ones that should have the voice at the table. And they should have the option to bring the vapors inside to help them because there's tons of passionate vapors. Here in Tennessee, I'm prime example. I have 12 volunteers on the TSFA that bust their ass day out and day in to help the association and help spread the word about tobacco harm reduction. And you know what they get? They get a thank you. That's all they get. But they're so willing to do it. Why not utilize those tools? And how important it is to have vapors when you're talking about politics, Noah. I mean, you've been up to the heel. You've, been, you've seen Washington from the inside. Right. Okay, we can go as vendors and say, okay, well, we, you know, we have so much square feet. We have this much money. But how important is for the vapor in the state that is a voter and he's a volunteer, he doesn't get paid, to express his feeling on tobacco harm reduction to a politician? I, I, I saw the bumper sticker, I vape, I vote, and I thought it was genius because that's something that we need to drive home. And, and the unfortunate thing about politicians, Demi, is that there are, three, there are two things that drive politics, money and votes. Yeah. Being a voter is power. Being a contributor is power. Right. So if you as a vapor can call, even if you call and leave a message with, with the office, if, as long as you're calling and saying, my name is so-and-so, and I vote, they're going to listen. Yeah. We just have to start pushing good information into the hands of the lawmakers. Right. I, think, I think getting the vapors involved is extremely important. I saw a question in the chat that says, some business owners are not willing to do an SFA model because they're skeptical of placing money in anyone's hand that isn't already official. That's true. But sitting around doing nothing is not a solution either. I mean, is that a solution? At the meeting in Massachusetts, too, I felt like a lot of the vendors were walking on eggshells. Stop it. Stop. You're sitting there trying to figure out every detail and what are we going to do this. Just do something. That's what we did. I didn't, I didn't, I've never been to college on politics, Noah. I just stepped up and I said, I'm going to do something. And this is what people need to do. They need to stop 
thinking to be politically correct. They need to stop to be, you know, being afraid of expressing their opinions. They need to step up and do something. You have to do something. Whatever you do, whether a Sfada chapter is great. If you can't do anything about doing a smoke-free association, you want to do a Sfada chapter, that's fine. You have to do something, whatever works for you. Even if it's just calling one of them up and saying, what can I do to help you? And they say, hey, you know what? We just had this new flyer come out. Can you print off 100 copies and pass sure. them out in your neighborhood? Sure. Even something like sure. that. It doesn't take much to, to get the information into the hands of people that don't know. Yeah. Nobody can do everything, but somebody can do something. We, we, we have yep. to be together. Yeah. Well, the, the, the problem is that a lot of the business owners, when you, when you form an official business organization, the business owners are busy with their businesses. And that we've seen that in previous states that if this has happened, they form an association, and three months later after the legislative session is forgotten. You know, because the business owners are busy tending to their business. And that's where the vapors can be a valuable asset. They can volunteer and come inside and help on their free time, taking a lot of the relief and the pressure from the vendors themselves. There's nothing wrong with having any kind of association, but you have to be able to be functional. You have to be year-round. You have to take action in so much many uh, more, uh, not just lobbying. Lobbying is extremely important, but that's not just the only thing that an association should do. You should be able to go to municipalities, cities, um, counties, fight bans. You need to be able to go out there and educate your local health departments, your American Lung Association, get out there and mingle with the community, uh, introduce yourselves about your product and how it works. All that is part of an association. Who better to do that than vapors themselves? No, I think they're right. the most powerful tool, especially when they don't have a financial vested in this, in, in the industry, uh, an interest in the industry, Meg. Well, yeah. What you said about the different levels at which these, these types of legislations and bans and ordinances are coming uh, struck home for me anyway. Last year, uh, you and I discussed this uh, at World Vapor Expo last year, but we had a ban in my hometown, Forsyth County, come up through the county ordinance, and they were going to ban it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Including inside vape shops. And four vapors, that's all it took, four vapors getting up and talking at the county at the county meeting changed their minds. Yeah, Four. Just four. That's all it took to change their minds. Yeah, it doesn't take a lot. Go ahead, Mike. Sometimes. In some, t- in some cases, it doesn't take a lot. Like you said, four people. Sometimes it, it can only be one person. Whether As long as you've got good information to present them that invalidates their reasoning to want to ban it, you've, you've put a, a sense of doubt in their minds. And they're going to think about it. And they're going to say, okay, wait, a, maybe we can do something different. And it worked for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. I see it, uh, uh, you know, I, I have a presentation that I do on the, t- on the TSFA, which I don't make public out there simply because I don't want to give it to the opposition, and, and it's not something that, that needs to be out there publicly. But I tell you that part of my presentation as a smoke-free association has a slide that shows that we support all the national groups, uh, including SPADA. TSFA is a member of SPADA. They pay $7,500 a year to be attached to the association, uh, which I think that SPADA does a great job on a federal level. Uh, the fly-in that we had in D.C. was very, very successful. And, and we want to support a national group like that. That's exactly what our association wants to do. Uh, we're also members of VISTA, which actually hires the lobbying for our state. We donated money to the militia. We donated money to CASA. We donated money to the American Vaping Association. And we also donated money to the American Science of Council of Health with uh, Dr. Gilbert Ross, which I think is a brilliant man. Um, 
And this is how the smoke-free association works. It attaches themselves to all the national organizations. They can pass down the information to one group that they can turn, turn around and pass it down to their vendors. It's a great way of bridging the local moms and pop shops. And trust me, there are people that are opening up shops, Noah, that don't know who Kasa is. I'm not making this shit up. <laughs> right. A, lar- a large majority don't. Something that, that got said about a week ago was that a large majority of the vapors, they, they don't get on the internet like we do. They don't connect like we do. They don't know that there's even deeming regulations coming out on this. They walk into a vape shop, they quit smoking, and they buy juice every couple weeks in coils. A large majority of the vapors aren't involved like we are. We are a minority. So yeah. we need to reach out to those vapors. Vape shops need to start putting out calls to action within their stores. We, we need to latch on to everyone who will be affected. Yeah. I want to get Joe to call in. I wanted to get his thoughts on this as well, too, because I'm, I'm getting pretty irritated by people that don't know what the hell they're talking about. Uh, just, just making all kinds of stupid statements. It's just getting out of control. To me, it's about unity. You have to have unity in order to win this. It's not going to be one group that's going to save vaping. I've said that a million times. You know, this is about bringing everybody together, and that's what a state association does. A state association should attach itself to all the national organizations that are out there, and we can all collaborate and work to what's best. If it's a state issue, let the states handle it. If they need help, they can reach out to the other groups. Like I have done many times. I've contacted Greg. I've contacted Cynthia. Uh, when I have questions, when I, when I need to make some decisions and pass it on to my vendors, that's the great thing about having a smoke-free association. It doesn't have to be a smoke-free association. You can call anything you want to. You can call it the anus vaping association. I don't care. I just I don't like va- I don't like vaping in the word, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna tell you why. The reason why I didn't put vaping in the association, I just put smoke free association, is because it opens up doors. It really does. It opens up doors. When I go to the Civitan Club or the Rotary Club, as I've been here in Chattanooga, the Better Business Bureau, Chamber of Commerce, I say hello. I'm the Tennessee Smoke Free Association, and I want to join. I'm a nonprofit, and I want to join your association. Guess what they do, Noah? They open up their doors wide, and they let me in. Because they hear smoke free and they they immediately assume I hate big tobacco, like they do too. Mm-hmm. Yep. They don't have to know I vape, right? But once you <coughs> open up that door and you sign that paper, uh, you say I'm from the Tennessee Smoke Free Association. Yeah, I hate big tobacco, but guess what? I use an electronic cigarette not to smoke, and it opens up the door of communication. You don't scare them. A lot of these people that are trying to regulate us. There's a generation gap, Meg. Yes, there is. Right. You say vape, vaping, vape, uh, vape pen, cult, weed, you know, am am I I right, Noah? There's a lot of confusion, and that's why I chose to keep the vaping out of that, that, the the naming of the association, and I always suggest that to all the states that I go, but that is the goal, is trying to, to open up the door of communication and educate the legislators, the public health officials on what vaping is, and what better way than to use... What the, our opposition is doing, like the American Cancer Society, you know, smoke-free Tennessee, use the same terminology to let yep. them know that we hate big tobacco. We're not big tobacco. Right. So I think that's probably one of the most frustrating things for me is the constant um, insinuation that vaping is big tobacco. I get so irritated every time I read a news article or a Facebook post or something on Twitter, and it's some you know already anti-smoking organization that's going on about us being big tobacco that really irritates me it's it's exactly what uh demi and jonathan were talking about last week was that talking to the staffers for the politicians they didn't even know open vapor products were a thing 
What, what, what did you say? Everybody had box mods? They, Every, they were Everybody had box mods, yes. Yeah. And they were surprised. They were all shocked. Hold on. I think I got Joey here on the line. 734. Is that you, Joe? Hey, Demi. What's up? Hey, Joey. What's going on? Joe from the Vaping Melissa joining us here on Smoke Free Hi, Radio. Joe. Thanks for calling in, buddy. Hey, Joe. No problem. You know, I just want to make sure everybody understands, you know, it it, it is a game of everybody working together. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I have been working together for a long time, Absolutely. Demi, and even M, you, know, you and I have been working together. It's all about getting the word out. See, Joe, here's here's the problem that I have, and, and I know you've, you're just frustrated as I am. When people assume that one association is the end of all, this 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 group, this this whatever it is, is going to say vaping, and that is so inaccurate. I don't even know where to begin. But it's it's also important to understand that, you know. A group like the Vaping Militia does not operate by itself. It attaches itself to the other organizations, that, whether they're state or federal, in order to collaborate and get the right information out there to the public. Am I right? Oh, big time. You know, everybody asks me that all the time. You know, uh, what what's the best group for me to get involved with? And my response to them is, you know, you've got to, when you go into the kitchen and you go into silver drawer, there's a fork, there's a knife, there's a spoon. Each one's got a different purpose and a different thing that they do. All of them are used to eat a meal, but each each particular group has a specialty that they deal with. When we're talking the militia, it's about getting out, getting the word out to as many people as we can. And, you know, I've really enjoyed all the events that we've been able to work concurrently with TSFA, where we're talking to the consumers on a one-to-one basis, and a vendor comes up and starts talking to us, and they get to that point where they go, well, I've got to do something. And, you know, I take them by the hand and walk them right over to see Eric, so we can get them right involved in what's going on. So it's 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 all a big game of, of knowing everybody's strengths and knowing where to put the right person in the right place. Uh, Joe, do you think that it's an? Uh, do you think that uh, you know? I, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but do you think that there's a lot of ego going on uh, among the advocacy groups as well too? Do you think that is an ego game? Yeah. Uh, somebody up there in Massachusetts yeah, uh, had a great statement this this past Sunday. We were trying to get all the vendors together, and uh, one of the vendors said. Uh, Save your egos for your stores. <laughs> that was, I, think, I think that was a great, great line, you know, <laughs> even though nobody sells egos anymore. Everybody sells box mods. But, but, you know, how do we combat that and how do we show unity as a front? How do we show that, hey, listen, I might not agree with you on everything that you say, but I agree enough with you to give you a hug, have a beer, and fight for this fucking product. How do we do that? Well, you know, that's one of the things that I've been very, very fortunate to be dealing with is uh, the guys in the militia and the gal that's in the militia it's not it's not been with any of us any type of uh thing to reach out to get ourselves identified it's militia that's it and we're able to use that to move forward and i really wish some of the other agencies would focus on their their the identity the identity of the organization moving it forward and you know i'm just a talking head is all i am Mm -hmm. Uh, everything that i go out and talk to people about is things that we have decided is a group and we move forward on because it's the right thing to do. It has nothing to do with with any of anything that I'm I'm doing. Definitely, definitely not there for the looks. I can tell you that much. <laughs> so, I, so, so, Joe, so, Joe, let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you another question. You know, I mean, you see, uh, uh, when, when when we first started talking about the militia, um, which was what two years ago. I mean, I don't even remember what it was. It was a long time ago. Yep. Uh, remember what I told you? I said, even though I don't agree with a name, I'm going to support you. Isn't that what I told you? 
Yep, and you've watched us move through a lot of evolutions as we've learned more about the industry and been able to identify where the problems could be and what we could do to affect, and that's kind of been the big key. We've always looked for those places where we can move the needle. Even if it's just a little bit, that's what we focus on. And, and, everybody, um, every and little, your support's been phenomenal. Every little bit helps. And, you know, when I made my flyers for the Tennessee Smoke-Free Association, um, I put the militia logo right on the flyer, and it's on the website as well, too, as I have with all the oh, other yeah. groups that we support out there. And what it's kind of disheartening for me not to see that same response from everybody, but that's okay. I mean, I get it. But at the end of the day, this, I believe, this division among... Not only amongst not only the advocacy groups, but the, the the vendors themselves, the distributors, the manufacturers, heck, even the vapors. This division will be our downfall. This is what's going to bring down the industry. We're not even going to have to wait for the FDA to do it because we're going to do it ourselves. And that's how I feel, unfortunately. Yeah, the infighting is causing a lot of problems. Um, there is now. Here's the bad thing about it. There is some good about it. Is finally some awareness to issues that that you and I have been saying for as long as we've been involved in this, they're, they're finally coming to light. People are finally waking up and doing something about those, or at least talking about them, maybe not doing anything. Um, but that's, that's good, but I, I wish we could do it without all the blood and gore. Well, I guess, uh, I guess that's just the way it is, or um, are we going to see something better in the future? What do you think? What do you think, Joe? I think we'll see a lot of things coming forward in the future yeah. because uh, the number of people that reach out to us that um, ask us to participate with them in things now, um, it, it's, it's become uh, a breakneck uh, pace. Um, a lot of people don't realize that our blogs and stuff have su suffered a little bit because the reason why we've been kind of quiet is we've been actually at shows talking to individuals, and that's been at the request of all these show promoters. A year ago, we were having to basically to beg to get into these shows, and now we're inviting guests to come in and talk to the people, and I think that shows a lot for what's going on. We're seeing things all the way across the industry from the vendor support on getting the word out to the promoters actually looking at it and focusing on it. So it's a slow road, but it's at least a road that's moving. And see, and I remember when Vaping Militia first started up and there was a big, huge kerfuffle about the name and what it's going to stand for. And, every, and I'm so glad to see you guys have come so far in such a short amount of time. Well, we had a lot of good guidance. I'll just say that much. <laughs> well, Joe, thanks for calling in. I just wanted to, to reaffirm my stance, as I always have. And uh, it's nice to, to hear from you. I'll see you at the, at the next event, I guess. I, um, I know I'm going to be seeing Eric down at uh, Vapenville there in Tennessee, and we're yeah. really looking forward to coming that, down to that event. Um, we've also got a couple of new programs that are going to be rolling out because we've been getting so much sponsorship from the vendors as they go to these shows. Um, we're actually going to be giving a lot of recognition to those vendors that are willing to take the time and you know, send us a little money to help us get to these shows and, and things like that. Um, so we're going to be putting that out. So take a look at that as it comes up soon. I think uh, it's something you want to recognize those people that are doing the right thing. There's a place you can look for part of. And I've also, I think Meg just fell off the table. And I also think that uh, that uh, we've talked about some of the stuff that you guys got uh, upcoming. So so I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. Yep. Thevapingmilitia.org. Yep. Contact Joe uh, and all the great guys out there if you have any questions. Thanks for calling in, Joe. Thank you, Demi. Thanks for inviting me. Have a good night. 
Joe Barnett from the Vaping Militia. But I think the point, the reason why I wanted Joe to call in is because a lot of people have misunderstanding on what, on what an association can do. It's so powerful in the state, number one, the fact that you can reach out to your legislators, represent the industry, but also being attached to all these groups make it easier. I mean, it's very hard for the Vaping Militia to come down to, oh, I don't know, pick up one city in, in Georgia that's, that's in the boon, boonies, I don't know, Dawsonville. Dawsonville, Georgia. It's very hard for the vaping militia to go down and talk to these vendors and have an estate association that can connect with them. And if there is something that the vaping militia needs to get out there, can turn it down to a state association and then in turn turn it down to the vendor in Dawsonville, Georgia. I think that is a great thing. Right. And, And seeing people, I don't know, envy that, jealous of that, criticize that, to me is, I just don't get it. Yeah. We, we, Joe said it best. We, we have to stop the infighting. It's, it's creating problems that are going to destroy our industry before the FDA even gets to touch it. Yeah. It seems like, Meg, everything that happens, it's like everybody takes it so defensive. I mean, just look at all the, just the topics this past week. Dicetal. You know, oh, my God, here's a division among the community. You know, <laughs> vape-free youth, here's a division among the community. Child-free labels. Oh, no. There's another. I mean, every topic is being to the extremes pulled apart. Instead of people saying, let's sit down. Let's, let's, let's explore this. Let's try to find a solution to this. All we're doing is infighting, and nobody's coming up with a solution to address the issues, Meg. You know, people are more than happy to rip apart everything that's put on their desk and then not do anything else about it later. Yeah, I hear you. Well... Hopefully things will change in the future. Uh, I, I, I like to remain optimistic, I guess, but uh, it doesn't always doesn't always work that way, does it? No. So, Unfortunately. Yeah. So anyway, to to recap, the FDA thing needs to be addressed. Pay attention to number eight. Um, somebody posted a question on how do you contact somebody at Vape for Youth? You don't. There's nobody behind Vape for Youth. You sign up on the website. You're going to get on a mailing list, and we're going to keep moving forward. There is no person responsible for this. Now, if people want to support a movement, it's the people making the decisions. No, that's pretty simple. If you agree that there's an issue that you want to address, you sign up, and you join forces with those that are trying to do something. Absolutely. Yeah. Why is that such a strange concept, Meg? Why do you think people don't understand that? Why does it always have to be somebody behind it? There, oh yeah, there always has to be somebody behind it. I think with in the within the vaping community, I said this last week. We put our trust, we put so much trust into companies and other vapers and organizations that sometimes we have to have a little bit of a conspiracy going on. Somebody's got to be in it for something in the background. Somebody's got to be doing something, you know. And, and we have this mentality that we need to know who it is. Yeah. Because we need to find out whether or not they're trustworthy, right, if right. if they've got a big name in the community, right. or if it's just somebody, you know, some Joe Blow that we've never heard of before. Right, right. I don't know what it is or why vapors feel entitled to know that. Yeah. Vaping conspiracy theories can sometimes get crazier than normal conspiracy <laughs> yeah. theories. Yeah, bring some examples. No, bring some examples. I want to hear some. Let's explore some examples. Let's have some fun. Because I've heard a lot of conspiracies, right? I've heard a conspiracy that... Uh, you know, Enthalpy Lab is like conspiring to put out false results on products yes, out there. I mean, that, I've possibly, heard that one too. I mean, this is this blows my mind. Okay, I mean, do you think that a multi-million dollar corporation is going to alter results of liquids to post them publicly online with a sealed certificate from a lab? 
No. I mean, see, I, okay, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, am I the only one that finds that humorous? No, because I do. Let's talk about other conspiracies. What other conspiracy? Have you? Give me a good one. Hmm. Come on, think of something, Noah. You can think of something. Okay. Well, well, we'll poke the we'll poke the vape free youth bo- uh, bear real quick. Uh, there, there was a discussion. And, and I will not embarrass them because they recanted and they, they realized that okay. it was ridiculous. Um, that Vape Free Youth was designed to protect those that signed up as a, as a list for the FDA not to go after. Wow. That's yeah. great. That one's a good one. <laughs> Shit, that's a good... Hey, sign it up. <laughs> sign on up. <laughs> sign on You'll up. be protected. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great conspiracy. It, it, it really doesn't make any sense, really. I mean, what is... Uh, how can somebody think about something like that? It really doesn't make any sense to me. How would everybody? Uh, how deep does your mind go to come up with something like that? I mean, seriously, you should be writing books. Instead the brain of works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Meg, give me another conspiracy. I know you got oh, a few. God, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. You just have to go read some some Reddit threads oh, yeah. and go, electronic go, cigarette, and you can find thousands. Go yeah. deep into the electronic cigarette Reddit and and yes. be prepared. Yeah. yeah, even the five the five pawns one um, that I posted or yeah that I posted up the other day. I think it's got like two hundred and thirty nine comments now, and half of it is just people with conspiracy theories. Yeah, well, take, with the lab testing. I want to lower my blood pressure, so I want to laugh a little bit. Earlier in the industry, people on Reddit were convinced that ECF was run by the mafia. <laughs> that's, that's good. Well, you know that might be true. That might be true. <laughs> I have met Oliver in person. I'll tell you something. There's something sneaky about that bastard. I don't know. What's, 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 the question is, how, how many times can you get banned from ECF in a day? That's the real question. That's true. Uh, when, when the ECF was given a presentation in, in China, when I was there for the Sesmall Expo, uh, the, um, not Oliver, but his partner, I forget his name now, that works on ECF, the other British guy, Yep. started off his presentation and it says I'm so and so I'm from the ECF and I probably banned you it was a nice joke it was really <laughs> funny for the English people but the Chinese people in the room didn't get it like no reaction at all it's like it's like being in a club and you drop a bomb joke and like nobody laughs and I could tell he felt so uncomfortable about it, <laughs> about it. it was really good about ECF too I've been banned from ECF probably about five times oh oh, yeah. I've got you beat I'm, I'm, I think okay, I'm up no, to six but, You've been six? Okay, yeah. but did you get a moderator position out of it? Oh, how did you get a moderator position out of being banned? Because that's impressive. <laughs> Connections. Yeah. Connections. But you know what? It's uh, unfortunately. She slept with Oliver. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> unfortunately, though, I haven't, I haven't actually used my moderator's account for like a year because I've been so busy with other things. I just haven't been able to get involved with the forum. But yeah, Are you banned still like five paycheck? times. Huh? Are you still getting your paycheck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they pay me loads. I just find it nuts, man. I just think it's crazy with with all these conspiracy theories. And listen, you know, th- th- there's sometimes that some valid points are raised, but quickly, even when a valid point is raised, it gets squashed by all yeah. the bullshittery and all the <laughs> nasty shit that goes around it that you can't even give that 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 person that made a co- you know constructive criticism or a comment. Uh, you, it gets buried <laughs> amongst the sea of of, of crap. Um, there was another conspiracy. Stefan Didak got accused by Glance of being a lobbyist today. I thought that was pretty funny. That was really good. Oh, I must have missed that. I got about 80 notifications from him today, and that, that must have been hidden within them. Yeah. You, Stefan you, got used in one of uh, Glance's uh, slideshows, one of his presentations. Yeah. Yeah, with that picture of him um, in the not blowing smoke. Uh, what was it? tips from a from a vapor or something like that and Stefan looks really evil in that picture for some reason yeah he does if, he if does. your if your twitter notifications are up by 40 you know that he's active on twitter yeah. yes yeah. 
I just find it funny. At the, at the end of the day, here's 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 where I believe is, I, I believe that there's so many good people in this community, but we don't hear from them, and the small amount that want to create all this chaos are the loudest ones. I think it's one of the reasons. It's 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 like cloud chasing. I don't think they represent a huge part of this industry, but, but I think they're so the loud. They're, they're so, so loud. loud, and I think that's part of why China is pumping out products that are geared towards sub-ohming because that's pretty much all they see in social media networks. Because no one's hand-checking their their, uh, their ego their ego anymore. <laughs> no. Their Check ego it at and the their door, 306 baby. atomizer. <laughs> Check it at the door. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's part of the problem, I think, that the people that, that really care and they want to advocate, they, they need to get louder. And sometimes they don't because they feel embarrassed. They feel they're going to get, um, you know, attacked. They feel that, you know, they'll make posts in a group and, and you know, nobody replies to it where somebody else posts a 15-second video of them blowing a cloud and gets all the attention. So I think it's kind of deterred even the people that want to go- do good. Uh, and I know this personally because I've had a lot of messages from a lot of people that, 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 that have told me that, that they're hesitant to be loud about advocacy. And that's a huge problem. It's, yeah. it's scary. And, and that, that part of it is true. And a lot of people... A lot of people do think that advocacy is scary because you do have to get up there and you have to you have to make yourself heard. Yeah. Our goal should be th- th- this would be a perfect goal for for advocates: be louder than the cloud chasers. Yeah. Well, what, what even Dimitri can tell you when when we first you know met online, and I, this was back when I started the what was it the million million yeah. things to yep. save. You tried to get me to come on the show with you to to, yep. to talk about it, and I nope, yeah. not going to happen. Not going to happen. And I finally realized at a point, there came a point when you have to get in people's faces sometimes and you have to say, look, you need to be a part of this because if you're not, you're part of the problem. Right. And once they realize that, oh, by not participating, they are actually a part of the problem and not the solution, you can tend to get more people involved. And I have I have a good way of just being nasty sometimes and yeah. and saying, look, fuck you if you're not going to do it. Right, right. And I, people... I think that, I think you get more response in that, and there's a lot of people. I, that's not my style, you know. I mean, it's not, it's not my style to, to 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 be that way, you know. I try to be concise and I try to be bold, but you know, I guess sometimes you do need to have that. I see a comment in the chat by Chris, uh, great guy by the way. It's not hesitation; it's the fact that people don't seem to read or care about my advocacy posts. And you're right, Chris. Boy, do I get disheartened when that happens. I truly understand, and I know exactly how you feel. Should that be a reason to stop? No. By the way, no. I forgot to mention this earlier. I talked to an advocate this past weekend that we were talking about state associations, and uh, he told me something that I found really interesting. And I said, well, how do you feel about state associations? I'm not going to name who he is. Um, he says, well, you know, creating a nonprofit state association in a state, I'm discouraging from it because it's too much hard work. <laughs> That's, that was the response. And I thought to myself, you know, I was like, is that a reason not to do something in your state to fight legislation? Which, by the way, D.C. passed 70% wholesale tax the other day. I don't know if you saw it. So that puts yes. number five on the map now with taxation uh, with Louisiana, Minnesota, uh, North Carolina. Um, what's the other one I'm missing? The fourth one? Anyway, and now Washington, D.C., 70% wholesale tax. So that's the, that's the highest recorded no, the seventy percent. Okay. No, ninety-five percent wholesale is in Minnesota. Seventy percent ah. in Washington D.C. is is the second highest. But is because it's a lot of work. Is that a deterrent to do it? 
Everything that involves advocacy is hard work. I haven't done anything in advocacy <laughs> that has been easy. Mm. All it takes is people to step up. Look at Jay Teller from Virginia. This is a guy that runs one of the successful shops there in, in Richmond. Busy guy. He stepped up. He called me. He says, I'm ready to do something in my state. I'm ready to step up. I'm ready to volunteer my time. Well, congratulations, Jay. Because that's what it takes. It's a lot of work. Damn right. The first thing that I told Jay is like, listen, if you're going to do this in your state, it's a lot of work. The first thing that I told Bill Funderburg in Georgia, I commended him. Be hard. I said, this is great that you're doing this because it takes people to step up. I can't do it. I can help you, but I can't be everywhere. But it's a lot of work. Yes, it's a lot of work. Should that deter people of doing it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. Because that's the only way we are going to win. It's like building a building and getting to the third floor and saying, ah, the rest is hard. The chokehold on the state legislation is starting to happen. And state by state, they're dropping. The ones that are ongoing now, you go to Americans Tax for Reform, which, by the way, I highly suggest you throw these guys a few dollars. If you're in the industry, uh, if you're a vendor, a manufacturer, throw Paul Blair a few dollars out there. Uh, they, they did a lot of work in Washington, D.C., and we're trying, we're trying to bring them on board to be more involved with vaping. Obviously, they've taken this to heart uh, because of the tax issue uh, and because of the product, but they have a great map on their website, Americans, tax, uh, uh, Americans for Tax Reform. You can go on their website and see a state that clearly uh, addresses e-cig tax, and they have, co- they have color-coded. I've actually used it in my presentation. Of all the states that have ongoing legislation, states that have defeated legislation, and states that have passed legislation, it's scary to look at that map and see how filled it is. And that's this year. Next right. year, you know, it's coming. You know, there's more, there's more out there to, to, to come and chokehold the industry. And if these states do it, um, again, there's another piece for the FDA that they don't have to deal with. No? The, the issue is that years ago... The deeming regulations seem so far away. Yeah. They seemed imaginary. We, we didn't sure. think they were actually coming. But now they're here. They are coming. And we have to realize that it's not a pipe dream anymore. This is happening. And we have to defend ourselves. Yeah. Uh, Chris Lickness, uh messaged me uh, about, uh, just posted about Alabama. Guess what, Chris? I got an email today from, uh, from a gentleman from the Breathe uh, Ease Alliance in Alabama. And I meet with him Monday. So I added him to my list of shout-outs for tonight. You're going to hear that here in a little bit as we get into that segment. But, yes, Alabama's on board. Uh, PA, Virginia, Massachusetts, I think, so far. That's what we're working on right now. So right. Uh, it's great to see people step up. They, you know, It's one thing to say, okay, well, I want to do an association. You have to step up. You have to have the people around you. You have to surround yourself. In Tennessee, we started with three. Now we have a team of 12, and they're all volunteers. Majority of them are just vapers. We have guys on there that work at vape shops. But everybody on there is passionate about what they're doing. Is it hard work? Damn right it is. But I guarantee you that every one of them feels so good about themselves for the work that they've done and how proud they are to be part of a state that has fought for the right to vape. And we have kept bad legislation off the table, which is extremely important right now. Right, Meg? Yes. Right, Meg. All right. I saw the uh, – yeah, they take uh, take, uh, consumer donations as well, too, at the ATR.org. However, always encourage uh, the industry to to support those efforts. All right. Anything else that you want to add, Noah? And uh, go ahead and give yourself a shameless plug. Well, no, I, th- I think we've pretty much covered everything. Uh, 
If you want to find our website for our for our posts and for our blog and for our podcast, it's www.vapepolitics.com. You can find our Facebook at facebook.vapepolitics.com and our Twitter at twitter.vapepolitics.com. There he goes, everybody. Shane's Noah Richardson. Plug. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate him. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, and nice to see you. Thank you. Thanks for coming up it's here and time. hanging out in the vape lair. All right. Meg, my favorite time of the show. Stand by. Thanks, Russ. By the way, I have this one over here, which I haven't played earlier. I'm going to play this now. I paid a lot of money for this one. This is the one and only Glitzy Flitzy, and you are listening to the Greek God of Sexiness, Dimitri. Hey folks, P. Bissardo, the Greek lover is in the house. You're listening to Dimitri on Smoke Free Radio. Oh man, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Flitzy turns me on so much. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I have a semi-woody over here. Noah, watch out. All right. My favorite part of the show, uh, Meg, shout outs. Did you prepare anything? Um, I have two. Okay, shoot it. Go ahead. I okay. don't have a lot this week either, too, so let's get it. The first one is going to be for Russ for his uh, Five Pawns Shame, Shame, Shame podcast last night. That one was really good. Yes, Russ. Shout out to Russ. Give him a shout out. Good thing. <laughs> All right, next one. The next one is for Paul Barnes. He's also known as Morph V on Twitter. He runs a blog called FDA or FDM.UKVaping.com. He writes a lot um, about politics and what he sees happening as an advocate. And he's new to the game, so I wanted to give him some shout out. I always love new people coming in. All right, I've got uh, I've got three shout outs to do. First of all, I'm going to give a shout out to a good friend of mine. That is Chris Hughes. He is the owner of the Fat Cat Vapor Shop uh, up in PA. But that's not why I'm giving him a shout out. This guy has take takes time out of his business, out of his family life, out of his cat's life. He's a big cat cat lover to go out there and fight for this product. Not only in his state. Which is extremely important to note. He fought up in New York with the Vapor Trolls guys when there was a ban up there. He went to D.C. last week, tried to fight the ban there, tried to fight the tax there. Everywhere you ask Chris to be, he is a true friend. He's a true advocate of this product. And I have to give a huge shout-out to my man, my friend, Chris Hughes. Next shout-out, Kevin Skipper from the Vaping Convention Circuit and Vista. There's a lot of people that put out their events and meets, a lot of them. But Kevin is the only guy that I know that dedicates money and time as much as possible at his events. Not only to his events, but trying to go out there and support the state associations, try to support everybody that's doing good. Kevin Skipper is a true advocate. 
He's a guy that knows how to make money, but also take the money and invest it in government affairs and advocacy, which is extremely important if he wants to continue to have VCCs. And other people that run meets, you should take notice and try to be just like Kevin Skipper. You have a shout out. By the way, I have no. By the way, I have no retractions this week, uh, Megas. <laughs> I have no retractions. Uh, I got a lot of flack for that one last week. So, sorry. I keep it real. I'm not gonna lie. And if I lied, it would be unethical for me to use this microphone. So, sorry if if I hurt any feelings last week with a retraction. Lastly, a huge shout out and a happy birthday to the one and only David Dorn. Oh, yeah, it is Dave's birthday. And not only is his birthday, but I have to give him a huge shout. Not only has he reached the age of Jake Jacobson, he's in the same <laughs> age group now in the senior citizens bracket, but <laughs> David has, you know, I met him in London finally. We sat down and had a great dinner. We had a lot of discussion. I envy the guy. He's very well educated. He's very well connected, and he's so passionate on tobacco harm reduction something that I think a lot of people have forgotten over the, the, the last two, three years with the evolution of the hobbyism and the lifestyle of vaping. It's important for us to stay true to our roots. And David, through Vapor Trails TV and all the advocacy work that he does on his personal time, not only deserves a happy birthday, but also a smoke-free radio shout-out. <laughs> So that's all I had this week. Meg, anything else that you want to add before I no. let you go? Unfortunately. I'm glad you came so prepared for the show this week. I am so sorry. <laughs> My alarm was set for 1 o'clock. I swear to God, I gave myself an hour to read everything and get situated. And it, it's just so hot here right now. I slept right through it. Uh, turn on a fan. Uh, well, in, what? in a month, you're going to be back in the United States where, guess what? We have air conditioners here everywhere. I know. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm freezing right now because the air conditioner is sitting right across from me right now. Yep. I'm going to be in, in New York from September 4th. I'm probably going to stay there about a month before I head back out to Montana. And hopefully along the way, I can stop and see the other vape shops and kind of get a feel for what it's like being a vapor in the States. I'm kind of nervous, actually, to be, to be honest. Why? Well, you're it's, very antisocial, too. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's um, not that I'm antisocial. The, the vape culture in the States is so different compared to what it is here in, in, here in England. I mean, Vape Jam, like you said, it was very Americanized. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's the first event of its kind that we've had here. And a lot of it was it, it got yeah. quite mixed reviews. Yeah. A lot of British people were kind of like, oh, it was too American. And I was I felt at home. I liked it. Yeah. And... But just I don't know I don't know where to buy from I don't know who the best vendors are in the states I don't know I don't know it's just to me it's a whole new a whole new scene for me and I'm kind of nervous about it. Yeah. Well, let's see what Birmingham's going to turn out. What do you think Birmingham's going to turn out? Um, so far it looks like it's going to be pretty big. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be pretty big. I got my press passes, I think, Monday morning oh, they nice. emailed them Finally. to me. Good, good. So I'll be there Saturday for sure. I don't know about Sunday yet. And I'm there for the after party, too. Well, we're literally, it's only like a half an hour away from me. But it, the amount of vendors that it, to me, it almost seems like there's more vendors exhibiting in Birmingham than there are than there were right. in London. Well, that's exciting to, to know. Hopefully we'll be able to get some alcoholic beverages with Phil because that yes. really upset me on my last trip. I'm thinking oh. about going buying alcohol and just having it at the hotel just in case. 
you know, <laughs> just in case we can't get in. Anywhere. Well, are you doing the after party on Saturday? Uh, yeah, I feel like, uh, yeah, 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 we're doing Yeah, it. they're not, they're not, they don't have a strict dress code. I already talked to Lee, the or, the organizer, about the dress code issue. They didn't let Matt Bradley in for Crown. Do they know who the fuck Matt Bradley is? <laughs> Do they know who Matt Bradley is? He catches uh. crab with his bare hands. <laughs> And they didn't let him get in the fucking club. I'm so pissed. I know. I Because I emailed Lee and I said to him, you know, do you guys have anything planned? And I, one of the things I had mentioned to him was the dress code at the after party. And he's like, oh, no, this won't have a strict dress code. So that'll be good. At least all your fans will be able to get in and hang out with you. Get powdered alcohol. Greg Conley is selling it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's a great tagline, too. <laughs> All right, Meg. Well, have a wonderful morning now in the, in the UK, and I will see you next week in person. Yes, I'll see you on Saturday. Save well, those. hopefully you're get, you're getting here on Thursday, right? I'm getting there on Thursday. Yes. Okay, maybe we'll hang out before then because yeah. it's only like I said, it's like a half an hour train ride for me. Yeah, yeah. Let's make it happen. Save your hugs for us. Yes, All I right. will. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Bye bye. There she goes, everybody. The one and only M. The wonderful M. Programming note, I will not be here next week as I will be on a plane with my BFF, Phil Busardo, traveling to Birmingham, England to attend the Vapors Expo at the Birmingham Convention Center. Pretty excited. We're leaving Wednesday and we're actually going to be on a plane the time that the show is supposed to take place and I will return Sunday. However, unlike my post today, I will be back July the 15th and have a show with Phil Busardo and Zen as I had promised for you today. Now, before I go, Greece, Greece, what is going on in my home country? A lot of misconception, a lot of bad media, um, a lot of people kind of hanging on this defaulting the loans issue that happened the other night. Listen, the Greek people have gone through a lot. The situation that they're in now is definitely their fault. However, assisted by the European Union banks, that ultimately their goal was to have all these countries depend on them. The measures are not working. Everything that the European Union asked from Greece two years ago has taken place more than what they asked. The government cut pensions of 60, 70-year-old people that were depending on 500, 600 euros to live. That's $700 a month, folks. They even cut those pensions. Austerity measures, trying to show to the European Union, we're doing everything that we can. It is impossible to pay back this debt. So what did the Greek people did? Tired of the two-party system over the last 30 years raping their citizens and the Constitution, as they did, they said, we had enough. We're going to vote for somebody different. We're going to vote for our savior. So they voted for Tsipras you know, from the Communist Party. Whoever thought a Communist Party would win an election in Greece? But that's how fed up the people were. Maybe that's something that we need to do here in the States. Fuck the Democrats. Fuck the Republicans. Let's bring in a third party. So they voted for Tsipras. This is a savior. This is the guy that's going to come in is going to save the country. He's tired of the European Union fucking around with Greece. I am going to change everything. So guess what? When the news tightened up from the EU on these loans, Tsipras was faced with a dilemma. What do I do? Do I sign this document and get the money 
and adhere to the austerity measures? Or do I not sign this document and ultimately defaulting on the bank loans and maybe potentially uh, bankrupt Greece and remove it from the European Union? Any leader would have made the decision based on the advice of his economic counsel and the best interests of the country. So what did he do? <laughs> he announces that he's going to let the people vote for it. Sounds brilliant, right? Sounds like a democratic way. Well, guess what? No. That's the bailout way. Look, no matter which way they vote this Sunday, yes, take the money or no, take the money, Greece is fucked. <laughs> because neither of those solutions are, excuse me, neither of the two choices are solutions for the country. This is not just me saying it. Get out there and read some of these blogs. I want to play a little clip here from Arianna Huffington. She's given an interview uh, on Bloomberg with, uh, with Betty Lou. Listen to what she had to say. Okay. Um, let's talk about your Greek heritage and what's going on in Greece. How do you feel about it? Well, it's a really terrible moment for Greece. And um, I feel that the Troika has made it really, really difficult to find a solution. Mm. I think their reluctance to renegotiate the terms, to recognize the incredible amount of suffering that has been inflicted on the Greek people. 25% of the GDP has been lost over the last few years. So it's not a, as if Greece has not done what the Troika has asked. It's just that there is no economic recovery. And without economic recovery, it's really impossible to achieve what the Troika wants. But the Troika says it's not enough, right? And there's got to be more pain. Uh, and they also feel like they're dealing, it seems, I don't want to put words in their mouths, with a government that's run by, for lack of a better word, amateurs in politics. Well, the government is in place because of the amount of pain and suffering that, that was inflicted on the Greek people. There's over 50% youth unemployment. There's a huge brain drain. A lot of the smartest young people have left Greece, which is going to have long-term consequences. Mm -hmm. And so, the, Greece is a democracy. If you impose that amount of suffering, there are going to be democratic consequences. And they'll vote with their feet. And they'll yeah. vote with their feet. And you see that everywhere. You see it in, in France, where you have a right-wing party gaining power. You see what's happening in Greece. And right now, as George Stiglitz wrote, the truth is that Greece is facing in this referendum two bad solutions. Yeah. But the one has no hope. More austerity is really completely unjustified the, at the, the moment. Way. So exactly. Both of the solutions, well, they're not really solutions. Both of them put the Greek people again, again, on their knees, basically saying, go ahead, screw us some more. Greece leaving the European Union is not the solution, obviously, but the Greek people have had enough. The austerity measures is causing the economy to collapse. Because if you cut the pensions, if you cut jobs, people don't have money and people don't buy and there is no economy. If you raise the taxes like they did, 23%, by the way, on food and drink and hotels, 23% sales tax. 23% sales tax, 33% uh, importation tax, 27% income tax. How in the hell are people going to pay it? You can't remain in business. You're going to go out of business. 
tourists are not going to come. Greeks don't have any jobs. How do you expect to move the economy with the austerity measures? There has to be another way. The solution that the European Union is not the proper solution, leaving the European Union is not the proper solution, there has to be another way to fix these problems. You need to restructure the tax system, create economic growth, give packages to private companies to come inside and invest in Greece, give jobs to the people, create a tax structure that's reasonable, that's going to stop people from frauding and, and evading the tax system, which is everybody everybody in Greece does. I was taught how to evade the tax system from a young age in Greece because that's how it's always been the system. However, when we were cutting our own money, there wasn't any problem. Because the money was moving. But now that the money is coming from a monetary fund, the problems arise. As they have in Iceland and Italy as well. Trust me, those countries are coming. They're just bigger than Greece. At the end of the day, though, no matter what happens, the Greek people are going to suffer. Listen. A hundred years of Turkish occupation, Nazis coming in and, and destroying the country... The Greek people have suffered and they have persevered through a lot of stuff. And they will this too. But don't take Fox News for it. Get out there and do some investigation. Make your own, your own opinion of what's going on in Greece. The last person you should blame is the Greek citizen. These governments that have come over the years have totally raped the citizens and the system those people that ruled and governed for the last 30 years are the ones that need to be blamed. They need to be put in prisons. They need to rot in jail because it's their fault. The Greek people will survive, but they have to come together. They need unity, and they need it right now in the most critical time in the history of the country. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Smoke Free Radio. Like I said, I will be back July the 15th with Zen and Phil Busardo. As always, have a wonderful evening.